Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Rogers, and I am doing a live stream for my first podcast show. So you're going to probably see some uh, bumps and hurdles and some ins and outs and some things that uh, may be funny or not funny uh, in how I'm going through this process. But I figured, hey, I got to put the stake in the ground and get started. So today is the day. Today is the start of a show that I will be doing weekly called The Alchemy of Business. And The Alchemy of Business will be playing up on the name of my company, which is Alchemy Advisors, in the business of helping people transition, transform, and evolve to their highest good in life and business. Thus, the show, The Alchemy of Business. And The Alchemy of Business uh, will be having guests that are leaders in uh, finance, real estate, entrepreneurship, uh, philanthropy work, and various things that are doing good in the world. And today, we're going to be starting with a guest that I'm very thrilled to have. His name is Steve Sexton, and I've known Steve for many years, and I actually ended up meeting Steve uh, in the real estate space, uh, and he was, is and still a wealth investor. But I also was able to be on his show as a guest many years ago, because he has done radio, he's done TV, he's done streaming, uh, all kinds of shows. He's a noted guy with NBC, Fox. Uh, many people go to him for wealth advice on networks, but also in companies, so my real estate company, when I ran it, also went to Steve for advising clients or advising agents on real estate, real estate investment, retirement, how to better things for your portfolios, how to make money, how to not lose money. So today, the guest, uh, Mr. Sexton, Steve Sexton, is going to be talking about that. But he's also going to be talking about how in the wealth of your own life, your own abundance in your own life, overcoming obstacles or hurdles, not just in a loss of profit, but sometimes in a loss of issues in your own life that you have to find ways to create abundance again when you've had a deficit. So he will be very inspirational. He'll be very inspiring. And I'm thrilled to have him. So let's bring him on. And that is Mr. Steve Sexton. So I'm going to be adding him to the stream. And there he is. Hey, Steve, how are you? Thanks, Steve. This is going to be confusing forever. The two Steves. <laughs> I, know. I, I tried tagging you in the thing. Super Steve Sexton, which is how I put your name in the post. So we'll, I should just call you SS for Super Steve. Uh, My head's got, already big enough as it is. It doesn't need to get any bigger. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on my show. And, and you're a veteran at this, as you and I talked about before we jumped on the show. You've been doing this for a long time, not only in traditional ways where you meet clients one-on-one, -on -one, you you've been to kitchen tables, you've been to dining room tables, you've been to boardrooms, you've been in conference rooms, and now you've really taken your business in the online media world, even at a greater level than you had before. So uh, I'm really honored that uh, you're taking a break from your day to be on and you run your own show. We're going to talk about that throughout the show, but you have your own show uh, in advising people in different ways. But why don't we talk a little bit about um, who is Steve Sexton? I gave you a little bit of an intro at the beginning, uh, but you know, people always have a, a, an insight of a nugget about who they are and, and what makes them tick and what makes their 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 heart sing in the business that they're in. So if I were to ask you, hey, you know, give me the elevator version, if you would, Steve, who is Steve Sexton and what it is you're doing with your life right now? Well, you know what? Um, it's funny because we are, I'm going to say our genesis starts when we're little, family, your exposure there. Um, 
I'm six foot three now. I was always that short kid. Uh, in fact, I was a five foot freshman in high school. Uh, as you can tell, I, I probably got I got picked on. I got told I wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough. And I was always a kid that said, I'll show you. And uh, I ended up, well, I'd always be starting on the bench. And by the end of the season, I was usually a starter. Uh, I moved forward in my business career. I ended up developing businesses, uh, helped a company expand throughout the United States and internationally. Um, came back and started working for a company called the Automobile Club or AAA. Um, you know what? Um, I was hired as a 28-year-old in a position where all my peers were 60 and performed well. Left there, wanted to be on my own. Um, and you know what? My genesis for what I do now is really based off something that happened 15 years ago. I actually had a bout of colon cancer where the tumor clogged up the colon. I had emergency surgery. I was in the hospital for seven days, six you know, um, 30 days later, I was doing six months worth of chemotherapy. The interesting about, thing about chemotherapy and anybody on the show who's had diseases, they know it doesn't matter how smart, how much money you have, how good looking you are. You just get them sometimes. And that was me. But it was an eye opener because there were so many people in there. And a lot of them, some people had money, some didn't. But the reality is they just didn't know what they didn't know. I met people who had a lot of money and paid $3,000 for a trust but it never had it notarized or put anything in there. So it was worthless. And if they had passed away, their, their family would have been in a mess. So, you know what? I started helping people when I was there, never took them on as clients. I was just thankful that I was alive. And when you take a look at everything that I do in the media, uh, contribute to articles or uh, a financial contributor on a show, it's all about giving people the information or asking a question that they wouldn't think or know to ask so they can get the information they need to make prudent, informed financial decisions that impact the quality of their life. And my whole focus has been that ever since I've been in this business or ever since I've had cancer. And it's served me well and it's served my clients well. And you know what? I'm very grateful for that. Well, Actually, you. that experience was probably the worst for some. But for me, there's so much positive that came out of such a, a tough experience because right. you learn you can get through anything. You, and I remember you telling me that when that was happening and that you had this very attitude like during it as well. I mean, I know it was a, a very challenging time, but I remember talking to you like right before, right after that, when that happened and having this attitude of finding gratitude and finding you were at peace with it. I remember, I mean, it's scary to get the C word, but you were finding a way to um, make it that you knew that there was something higher than this pulling you and that you knew that you had work to do. And I know you have a, a very close relationship with your family. So that time period when you said, hey, I was humming along and doing this and I got hit uh, with this thing I wasn't expecting. Where did you dig for that? Where did that knowingness, where did that belief, where did that originate? I mean, you don't just wake up with that one day if you haven't had some kind of a practice prior to that, either in spiritual beliefs or uh, other obstacles you've hit along life. So how did that get to that mindset that quickly when it's such a serious thing? Well, you know what? Like I said, when I was younger, I was that person. I've been told too many times I was too small, not big enough, not fast enough, not smart enough. And I did, I'll show you. So, you know what? I'll say this. I've been kicked in the mouth, so to speak, from life and other things, whether it be working or whatever, that I just found a way to persevere from it. And when the doctor came in leading my mom and dad and my wife in the hospital and said, hey, will you have cancer? And all I said was, well, what do I have to do? Mm -hmm. And they were like, 
okay, he's not crying. He's not freaking out. This is great. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. For me, I just look at it. It's another workout program that I need to develop into the person I want to be. But it also taught me a lot of things because at that time, I was that person that would get up early, you know, and work real hard. I, I'm a firm believer in the compound effect. And you know what? Uh, I would show up like 15 minutes before the kids' birthdays. Sometimes I was 15 minutes late because the traffic is always trying to cut it short. And you know what? It got to the point where once that occurred, I go, you know what? There's no reason why I should rush. Let's eliminate these distractions. Let's focus on things that are vital. And I found that I've been able to do more in a shorter period of time because of focus. And those focuses are now family, family first, business, and, you know, my, um, my, my faith. Family first, business, and then faith. And your your faith, was your faith stronger after your bout or was it equally what got you through and it was the same because you were such a in faith person prior to your your, your illness? Um, I, I'm going to say, you know what, I, I'm like you grew up Catholic. So um, um, I did the Catholic calisthenics for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I was overseas working in countries like South Africa and developing business and seeing horrendous things happen where I went back and said, you know, what, I just need to pray to be safe. I want to, you know, that type of thing. Uh, and I started, you know, sending love to family members, so to speak, through prayers because things happen. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'll say when uh, that occurred, my faith took a new level up. Uh, and, um, and right now, I mean, I have had a brother that recently passed away from cancer last year or earlier this year. And you know what? Um, we were just thankful for God that, you know what, he was only supposed to live six months and he lived three and a half years. So we were thankful he was here that long. So yes, face plays a very big part. And I find my prayer list every single night for the people I pray for who are having problems and stuff like that seems to get larger and larger. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. And it must have been uh, a, a bizarre process to go through that you went through and came on the other side and he went through and I was on the other side in a different way. What an, you know, we'll have to talk about that some other time. I'd love to find out how, the, how you experience that as a, losing a sibling losing a sibling to something that you overcame and then growing through your grieving process and then accepting that in faith. So that's a whole nother show and a whole other process and probably a personal conversation we can have, but I'm always fascinated by those kinds of things. So thanks for sharing that. And yeah, the G word, the God word is, you know, sometimes people are afraid to use that. So I, I applaud you for, for, uh, for speaking your truth. And, you know, in the book that I wrote, The Iggy Principles, I talk about inviting God in or inviting good in or inviting grace in. And whatever people's Iggy is, I think we need more of that right now. The faith of what is needed for higher purpose or higher meaning. It's not unlike you when you got hit with cancer. The whole world as a global uh, phenomenon has been hit with its own version of a global cancer in COVID. You know, it stopped everybody in their tracks of thinking that they couldn't do something. And it's, it's interesting to watch how other people have come over in different ways. Some have thrived, some have not, some have been crushed, some have been sick, some have died. Uh, but just the philosophy of that magnitude when life happens to you and how you experience it. So uh, thank you for sharing your story about that. And I think many people on this uh, show that will be watching are probably going through their own uh, crisis. I can't, I don't know of anybody that I know that was not affected or is affected by cancer in some way or some illness or something about life death situations. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Let, uh, we have a shorter segment today, so I want to keep that faith tuned in throughout the whole show. 
And I want to weave that into the wealth portion of it. So what you do as a craft, as a business, as a skill, as a uh, advisor, uh, as top of your field, you have helped people find out how to build wealth or create wealth um, from a young age. And you've helped them do that at different levels, some that didn't have much to save to start with. And like you said, some that have had millions and you've gotten in those different levels. Why did you choose that path in the first place of being a wealth advisor? And, and when did you realize you were good at it? Uh, you know what? Um, wow, that's an interesting question. Um, and I, you know what? You never realize you're good at it because you're always learning. Uh, so uh, I think uh, I, I've, I've gotten better over the years. Uh, but the reason, like, for example, I was uh, involved with a bit of the health piece, uh, like health insurance and life insurance. But when I went through cancer, I realized so many people who had financial advisors, you know what, um, they just didn't know. They didn't know basics. Um, and, they, and they were relying on somebody that they didn't, didn't, just didn't know. For example, the one lady that I was talking about earlier, when I had a review of their tax return, I found out they were paying $32,000 in fees, but it was on an $800,000 portfolio. That means they're paying 5%. The average fee rate in the country's two, and they should have been paying one because it was a stagnant portfolio. Oh, wow. And she, you know what? Her husband, you know, his his brain was so clouded from everything. He just couldn't explain that to her. But when I asked her, she goes, I don't know. Is that a lot? Oh, yeah. So and she that's, you know, you look at me. High, low, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's scary. And, and I said, hey, do you have a friend, a family member, relative, whatever, that can actually do this? And she, she had a nephew. When we got on the phone with the nephew, I mean, he, he went, oh my, and then got upset. And she didn't understand why until I explained to her. I said, you know what? If you were just paying 1%, you would have 24 extra thousand dollars in your, in your pocket every single year that would go a long way. And she realized, oh, I get it now. And I saw people doing little things like that, whether it be taxes, investments, um, things that they were having way too much drain on their investments. And I'd, I'd have a discussion with them or they, you know what? they're looking at setting up their estate and they have too large of an estate for a basic trust because it won't cover it and they're going to create big problems. Um, I helped out a lot of people in the advanced tax planning world where they're looking to sell a business. And you know, I have a gentleman right now, he's selling a million dollar business, full capital gains. Hey, in California, he's going to pay, well, he's going to get $620,000 after he pays the taxes. But you know what? You could utilize tax advanced, uh, advanced tax planning strategies and then 890,000 or 900,000 out of that million. And I knew there's so many people just didn't know what they didn't know and they didn't have an avenue for it. So right. it, to me, it became noble to help somebody receive more money so they can have a more abundant retirement life, do the things they want. I love to hear about what people, how they want to design their retirement and say, hey, this is what we need to get there. So let's find a way to do that. That to me was exciting. And also it helped me help people uh, by asking them questions that they would never ask for themselves. Well, what, you know, what about this? What about that? And a lot of times that, you know, I meet with somebody for the first time, they go, you know what? I wish you, I wish I met you 10 years ago. Yeah, right. I've exactly. never had anybody ask me this, any questions. I feel like I've been, you know, talked to by a detective or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause you bring up topic subjects or, and you, you also, well, you and I talked about this in the past. I remember when you were advising some of my real estate agents or their clients, 
Sometimes you're having conversations with husbands and wife, brothers and sisters, family members that have a very challenging time having that conversation amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing up topics that bring them up that maybe aren't as defensive, maybe that aren't as con confrontational because, you know, wealth, death, marriage, politics, those are all like touchy subjects for people. And, and I remember you having this artful skill to be able to help individuals, married, I know my wife and I, we've been married 32 years. And sometimes the hot button for us is talking about finances or talking about how to spend or invest or to whatever it might be. So uh, that goes back, I guess, to my, when did you figure you were good at it question? Because there comes a moment that you realize those talents or those skills beyond advising someone on the right stock or the right real estate investment or the right trust, which are all key. When did you realize to that artful skill of communication or relationship or even your, your faith was tied into the alchemy or the chemistry of your business and getting people to trust you and then like you and then do what you advise them to do? Um, going back to realizing you're good, um, I've always been a person that believes in education. Um, quite frankly, you get a college degree. It's I think it's worthless within 18 months. It's about what you learn after that. Um, and there's a lot of people... You know, you could name him, you know, Howard Schultz is one for Starbucks. And you know what? He's, I, I'm not sure he needs to have the college degree, but he keeps studying, keeps studying, keeps studying. You can get a PhD in learning. Uh, and what I did is I just continued to learn. I found good mentors, people who would help me understand things. And I kept asking a lot of questions. And sometimes I probably annoyed the heck out of them, but I asked a lot of questions so I can get the answers so I can help people. And I continue to do that even today. But when you find out you're doing well is when one of your mentors goes, hey, you got it. You got that. And then, you know, you look at the people that you're helping and you're seeing, hey, you know, I, I talked to somebody that I've known for 15 years and they said, you know what? We've taken a great income this whole time. And you know what? Our assets are 30% higher than when we started. And we've had a, a larger income than most of our friends. And we're just so excited for that. And I, I looked at myself, and I said, yeah, this is great. I mean, I was, you know, I really love being able to help you create an abundance for yourself. And now they're they're focused and they're focused in faith as well. So their goal is to um, give more to charity and give more to people who they can help that need a step up and they're uh, funding food pantries and things like that for people who don't have enough. Right, right. That's powerful. Well, you know, that, that uh, learning piece, you, you and I have talked about that as well. And it just reminded me again about that. The, I always had this complex about college degree or education or academic because I was always impressed with people that had it. And I was one of those people that that didn't. I moved out of my house when I was 17 and I got a, a year or two of college under my belt, but I never graduated college. So when I got into the business world and I didn't have a college degree, I kept thinking I was going to show up in some boardroom somewhere that everyone had the magic key or the special password that I didn't have. And <laughs> they walked in with their diploma. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I was like, oh, God, I don't have that diploma. I'm not going to get the pass in. And luckily, because of what you said, mentors, educated, you know, focused learning, having people that I learned from, trial and error. I mean, I eventually did climb the, the ladder and became a, a CEO and worked for Warren Buffett and all of those things. But it wouldn't have been had I not had faith and it would not have been had I not had massive mentors that really were so gracious in either A, their time and energy or B, me paying them to uh, advise and coach me. So uh, I uh, totally uh, get what you're saying and I applaud you for that. And I'm also in awe of people that are academic, that have masters or PhDs, because those are hard to get. And then if they go on and do something with them in a level that serves others and then gets that focused learning, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and on that wealth piece, I think that, you know, I, I also being 
around people of various wealth of various sometimes people go well how much is enough how much money do you really need but when you're turning it back into what you just said about using that money for other things instead of going on more vacations to tahiti if you're using that wealth for your legacy for your family if you're using it for causes you believe in if you're using it for things that are bettering the world then there's never enough money because there's never enough to you know to cure that it just depends on how much of a conduit you want to be to create that so I know you help people at regardless of level. I mean, you help people, right? Let's say if someone had $5,000 to invest versus 5 million, how are you approaching those conversations similar or different uh, with that kind of a client base? You know, brand new couple just got married, has a little bit to invest or, you know, the couple that are, or individual that's been, you know, seasoned, they had a great career and they've got a fairly big chunk to this. Where do you start those conversations and how do you approach where they should start I know everyone's individual, but where do you start with some of these conversations about places to start putting money even, uh, and I want to ask that question before and after COVID, like, is there a difference? Okay. Like, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me share something with you. Um, I actually did not have a degree until the automobile club says find a college and we'll pay for it. So I actually developed a business throughout eight different countries around the world before I came back to the United States. So I'm in the same token. I did get my degree, but it was because a company says, hey, we've never had an executive without a degree, so we'll pay for it. Go get one. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you had to check that box off for someone else and they keep moving forward, right? Well, here's the thing. I, I want to be very clear. Um, I typically don't work with people who have uh, less than a certain amount of money, but I will help everybody. So I do have people that have just gotten married. They want to combine things. And what I'll do is I'll spend an hour or two with them and I'll talk to them about their goals, the life they want to create, um, the trips, where they want to live, all that kind of stuff. And I want to make sure that's their, that, 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 that life picture they want. And then we start looking at the finances and talking about everything from debt, um, we create a, a savings plan. Uh, and usually if they're working for somebody, we say, hey, you know what? You need to put that into the 401k. That's the best way to do it because you're going to have a company that's going to um, that's going to uh, match with there. So you want to you want to do that. And I've had wonderful conversations with a lot of people uh, that have just got married. For example, I had one a few years back with my nephew and his new wife. And they wanted to figure out, hey, how do I do this investing stuff? How much do I put in this investment, that investment, and so on and so forth? And I said, I just said, hey, you guys got to calm down a little bit. Right now, it's all about accumulating assets. How many assets can you accumulate with the money you put in there? And I, we created a budget to where they can maximize the amount that they can contribute each and every year. Their company would match. And I said, if you guys think about this, between the company match and how much you contribute, it's about $43,000 a year. I said, if we calculate a 7% return over a period of 30 years, you're going to have close to four or five million dollars. Could you live your life not, you know, not spending that, but spending everything else? And when you get raises, hey, go spend that other stuff. Okay, go go on the trips, go on there. They said, Yeah, we can do that easily. You can save for a house, the whole shot. I said, so plan on blocking that out. Forget about it, but contribute to it and don't even think about where the money is and just let it grow, grow and grow. And if the market goes down, hey, that's okay. You know why? Because you just got a big discount for the money you're putting in there moving forward until it grows back up. All you really need is before you retire that it's not on a downslope and then you start needing to work on changing the way you look at your strategies from a preservation and a distribution standpoint. 
So you know what? If I get younger people, I work with them to help them create that plan. I don't charge them for it. Uh, it's just one of those things. It's my way to help them and send them off. Uh, my wife loves that as well. We kind of agreed when I started that, started this business that, you know what, I um, only need to work with people of certain assets, but uh, anybody below that, I'm helping them out and I want to make sure I give them value. So when they go off, you know, a lot of times they don't need a financial advisor. They just need to start putting money away. And you right. could do that by just going into your 401k or your IRA at work and you'll be, you'll be fine for a while. Got it. That's great. And we've got about six or seven minutes left here. So I want to make sure we're kind of buzzing through because I have so many things I want to ask you and I won't be able to ask them all. Uh, you and I connected also in the real estate space when I was uh, in the brokerage business and running real estate companies and running real estate agents. Um, how do you connect real estate investments in your wealth advising? And how do you explain what's happening in the market right now uh, on what you've seen over your many years in the in the biz of what's happening in the real estate industry in general? Uh, both you and I are in California, but in general with the, uh, the, the, the craziness of real estate in the middle of a global pandemic. And how then are you also uh, uh, changing any of your financial or wealth advice before or after COVID on any of those topics? Well, First of all, during COVID, I actually talked to many people across the country about this specific topic and uh, from with some economists in, on top of that. But basically, once the pandemic hit, you had a number of supply shortages. Uh, you had the same thing with real estate. You also have people who were very concerned about um, being able to afford their life. And the reality is uh, when you had the moratorium on foreclosures, you weren't going to see a large number of houses come on the market because uh, for people who are unable to afford it because that just wasn't going to happen because the mandate. On top of that, you had low interest rates. So people realized, hey, you know what? I can afford more and go and buy this house. Uh, so people started buying houses and they started looking at rural areas because they realized that they couldn't be downtown. And you see housing you know, prices go up. Um, I had uh, some of the more prominent realtors that I know sold, you know what, they usually sell about 80 homes a year. They actually sold about 140. And they said, Steve, everybody's asking 5, 10, 15, 20% above, you know, asking price. I'm saying uh, offering that. And you know what, they're closing very fast. People are paying cash. In fact, my next door neighbor, um, you know what, he put his house on the market and it was only his Zillow said it was worth 850, put it on for 975 and it sold for $1.111 million. And the wow. person actually sold a house in San Diego for $2.2 million in four days and paid cash for it. It was his way to, it was their way to downsize, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's happening all over. But here's the thing. I have a lot of clients that have actually moved out of state and they're doing it now because they could sell a house, you know, for a million dollars that, should sell for seven, eight hundred and go buy something cash in another state and not have to worry about a mortgage any here anymore. So we're seeing that. Uh, I think the mortgage rates when they start going up, I think when seniors become much more comfortable showing their houses, um, uh, you'll and you also have supply starts coming back to normal, you'll probably see an evening out of real estate prices. That being said, in my business, I'm talking with many people who bought a house for $250,000. I've talked to a gentleman in Foster City. He bought it for $250,000 30 years ago in Foster City up in the Bay Area, and he's selling it for $2.5 million. And he's gone, 
oh, guess what? Um, I have a $2 million tax liability, or I'm sorry, he's got a, almost a $780,000 tax liability. Yeah, so what we're doing for him to move forward and the real estate agent actually connected us, he says, you know, look, this guy isn't going to sell unless he can do something on the taxes. So right. we were able to help him get 90% of the proceeds as opposed to only about 62%. That's so we're, we're doing that, those that type of things. Massive. That is so massive because that helps people then decide, make a decision not to do something when they didn't think they could. I remember a couple of different scenarios when you and I were working over the years and you, I was referring you to people, you were involved in other investing where you were helping people figure out, you said about selling a business. There was uh, you know, the ability to sell businesses different ways and different vehicles with different instruments, legally mm -hmm. tax advice that or tax ways that would give people different structures. To, to, to get the timing. So those kinds of conversations that you have with people on businesses or even on the, the tax of real estate, whether it's 1031 exchanges or hold and sell. So I know that's a, a whole other conversation. I'm And you and I talked about having you back on the show again. And, I definitely <laughs> want to do that. and we're running out of time because we only had this 30 minute segment save and, I'm, and I want to respect your time and I want to uh, uh, be so uh, grateful because I am to you about being on the show. Uh, so I want to ask, so before we sign off two things, how, what's the best way for people to reach you? How, what, how can they reach you? We will have it in the show notes. We will have links, but I just want people, if they're listening, uh, you know, whether it's websites or social media or your, your show, uh, what is it? Uh, how can people listen to you and how can people find you? Well, first of all, if they want to go to the Saving with Steve show, which is about the ins and outs of money, um, they can go to savingwithsteve.us. If they're looking and getting in touch with me to help them with advanced tax planning or something else, they just want to send an email to info at sexandadvisorygroup.com, info at sexandadvisorygroup.com. And you can obviously call the office at 1-800-560-2611. Perfect. Well, thank you for that, Stephen. And wrapping up on the Iggy moment, one of the things I like to ask, and just, you've elaborated on some of it earlier, but as you're looking at your, your moments that you have in life, all the moments that add up from moments to minutes to days to weeks, what is it that is in your own inviting Iggy in or inviting good in or inviting God in? What is it? What advice would you have to uh, somebody else right now that's seeking not only just wealth of the, some of the major advice you can, but, but if you were trying to give advice to your younger self or to anybody right now seeking more abundance, not only in wealth, but in their self and in their life, what's, what's a tip you can give them on an Iggy moment before we wrap up? Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's very simple. Just remember that you get what you give. The more love and caring that you give out to other people, whether it's in what you do, to family or whatever, it's gonna come back to you. And the, so I don't know who said this to me, it goes back way when, way back when, he says, you know what? Everything you do in the dark, at some point in your life comes to the light. And if you've been doing and giving, giving more than you get, that's a lot of fun and you're gonna get recognized for it somewhere down the road. So I just say, hey, the more you give, the better you get. And that's, you know, the way you want to run your life or the way I like to run my life. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for that advice. And I will take that to heart. And I hope everyone else does as well. We need more good in the world and we need more uh, spreading of being of service to others. So thank you for being on the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you, Mr. Steve Sexton. And I'll look forward to talking to you again very soon and very quickly. And thanks for sharing your story today. Thanks for having me, Steve. We'll see you. All righty. Take care. Bye. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. 
Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.